I hope you're ready for this. Um, I'm going to first play you a clip that um, uh, Millie Weaver sent me. And uh, I want you guys to listen to this. Don't worry about it. We got it all. Um, but before we get there, everyone was reporting Axios. Some source close to us say there's going to be no reports. Look at your Twitter feed. Look at the people telling you how nothing's going to happen. Look at them claim, oh, that was a punch in the gut. Oh, bar this. Chuck, there's not going to be a report. I already told you there's not going to be a report. Well, I tweeted it out too. And I said, oh, not a report. Well, 1020 is coming up. 1020 is coming up. And we're not going to do reports. We are doing arrests. We are doing prosecutions and even uh, <laughs> uh, when I said it, people were like, oh, thank God. And Catherine Herridge said in her tweet about nine minutes ago, um, she said, two sources, one admin and one senior Republican, both familiar with the probe, said they don't believe findings or indictments will come before the believe. But then she then tweeted uh, a couple minutes ago, Durham, then there cannot be a report released prior to that. The official would not comment as to whether potential prosecutions are in the works. Huh. And kind of sounds like, yeah, no reports, just arrests. No reports, just arrests. No reports, just arrests. And I hope Barr found the leakers. Mark Warner, you okay? We need a wellness check. So I want everyone to know that, um, you know, your feed is uh, infiltrated with people that are telling you things, uh, fear porn. And it comes in a subtle way where they tap into what terrifies you the most. And that's losing. That's losing to evil. And they're preying on it. All of them are on the right. I mean, you heard the president, you know, two hours he was talking. Two hours. Unplugged. <laughs> no fucking about. Unplugged. And so that's why I said it was going to be unplugged. You know, he's, 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 I wish that people knew the President Trump I met when I was a child, when I was a young adult. People change. But their core doesn't. And hence why, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you got to tell me about Mark Levin. Listen, man, I don't dog people for switching sides or changing whatever. But your core value, when, when I see a core value switch, that's a problem. That's a foundation. That is where there is no trust. Okay. So fear porn, you know, great discussions whatever. I want you to understand that there is no way this man would allow anything like that to happen. Like I said, two years ago and then a year ago, because they, they totally threw Ukraine in 
And he was like, come on, man, you've just set me back a whole year. But Barr had up until Labor Day. After Labor Day, stuff has to start rolling, man, or else, you know, I could just change the shirt. I don't need you to deliver. And this is important because redemption, as I said, is the most, uh, is the best quality a man can have. Now, um, I saw a, um, it, it was a post um, about St. Maximus, the confessor. And I'm, I, I'm just going to read this. It says, nothing pains the soul more than slander, whether directed at one's faith or one's manner of life. And no one can be indifferent to it except for those who have their eyes firmly fixed on God. For only God has the power to rescue from peril. And he rescues many. And that's to show us truth. And in this case, God will rescue many. And that is to encourage our souls. I want you guys to understand that. Think. Think of how much slander has been thrown at the president and to many people around him. How many of them have toppled down? How many of them have toppled down? This was in reference to Susanna, who was slandered and then, you know, uh, risen up. But uh, how many people have been thrown mud? I've said it before. Mud washes off with the water of truth. So those that can only see the mud and jump on the mud do not see truth. I, I just... Wanted to say that. Do not see truth. Now, before we get into Pence, before we get into the um, uh, 25th Amendment, I wanted to tell you something. I noticed a pattern. I know four different people on November 3rd are having courts. All four people, all four people, that's election day, you guys. All four people are being prosecuted not for actual crimes, but fabricated, inflated, wannabe crimes, right? Because of politics. And what was funny was this morning I was having coffee and my daughter was on a Zoom thing with school. And they're like, yeah, so we're going to start um, coming back to school uh, right after uh, November 3rd. And she's like, oh, but that wasn't political, was it? And the teacher kicked her out of the room. <laughs> I heard her say it. I was just sipping coffee and I was like, that's my baby. I, I, I was just saying that was funny. But look, I mean. Uh, there's four people right now that have all their constitutional rights violated. One of them is so polarizing to the right movement, Austin Seinbar. Everybody hates him. How dare you? Okay, again, nobody cares if you believe he says who he is, if you like him, if you don't like him, if you adore him, you want to jump in bed with him, you want him to jump in bed with you. I don't care, okay? Let's pretend Austin is... John Doe. The bottom line is, one, he's still in jail. Other three are out. But one, we have an American that has not had a speedy trial. It's been over six months. That has not been afforded anything, okay? Sitting in jail for what? Damn, Hillary. 
Kind of like Martin Shkreli, who's in jail. Remember Martin Shkreli? Oh, pharma dude who brought attention to the fact that they were hiding AIDS medications by thumping the price. Yeah, that one. They, huh, they savaged him completely. And you know why he was thrown in jail, you guys? Do you know why Martin Shkreli was so? Not because he thumped the prices and showed you how EpiPens were so important to the left. Wonder why, right? I wonder why. Not only did he show you that, but what happened? When he was out on bail waiting for his court during the election, he's like, somebody get me a strand of Hillary's hair. I'll tell you who she is. And guess what happened? He's still in jail. And he went to jail for rubbish. They, okay, crimes, could have paid them off. Uh, and, and that's just bad bookkeeping. It wasn't like a big deal. Like, who doesn't mess up? Especially when you're young like that and you're making insane money. Like, come on. Come on. He's rotting in jail. But Theranos, Theranos, of course, Kissinger and, and, and Mattis were on the board. So I guess they got nothing right? They got nothing. They got off. They got off. But the guy, right? The young guy who was just dumb, aloof, trusted accountant, took the fall for everything. Wasn't a big deal. He could have just paid a fine. They didn't want to give him a fine. How dare you go after Hillary Clinton? I will show you. There goes Martin Shkreli. And then Austin Steinbart. Okay. What was his crime? Asking for people to uh, get with someone that stole their private files, their property. Like what? What? Are you kidding? So dogpiling doesn't happen. What about all these boycott movements? Are we arresting Chelsea Handler anytime soon? Or Sarah Silverman or all of these idiots? No, no. But we're going to arrest Austin Steinberg because he said he was Q and we don't like Q. And maybe he's lying about being Q or maybe he's not lying about being Q. But, you know, we're just going to arrest him and throw him in jail because we said so. Nobody cares. Bottom line is all of you, all of you should be upset that there are American citizens chucked in jail, stripped of their constitutional rights, and no one is doing anything. Why? Well, I don't like him. Good for him. Oh, he said he was Q and Jordan told me. And I follow this person and they know. But damn, I want to take my glasses off. But that's not the point here. We don't care. We have to look at it at the core. Because if we have been sitting here claiming to be a freedom, claiming to be of the foundations of these this nation must be impermeable to corruption. And we're sitting back and allowing this to happen. No matter how you feel about someone, it's disgusting because that's not a true patriot, period. Kyle Rittenhouse is another one. What about the people in Missouri that were just indicted for defending their property? Just saying. <sighs> one day, you know, I can't take off my glasses. Take off my glasses, I'm done. And I, and I want the rest of my eight years. So... So let's begin the show. I want you to keep that in mind this weekend. I want you guys to think about all those people out there because we're supposed to be with them now. Um, so we should start with um, what Millie Weaver sent me and I'm going to DM this to me and I want to play it for you. It's a two minute clip of Pelosi <laughs> um, about the legislation. 
and the New York Times tweeted this. So, of course, grain of salt. We don't trust them. The situation is focused. So take a listen to this. The situation has focused everybody's mind uh, on the need for uh, following through on this suggestion in the 25th Amendment that Congress set up its own body. And uh, I think, again, in the age of COVID-19, uh, where a lot of government actors have been afflicted by it, uh, we need to act. And this is a comfort to people that it's not about who's in power saying, I don't like the way he or she is acting. It's about a process that is bipartisan, based in the Constitution, giving Congress the power to do this, which Congress hasn't done. And again, at a time when people understand uh, that it, it has uh, some, there's a necessity uh, for it. But again, to, you, to your question, it isn't about any of us making a decision as to whether the 25th Amendment should be invoked. That's totally not the point. That's not up to us. Uh, when we do legislation, it's important to socialize so that people understand why, so that we would like to have it in place and, and it could be said for future presidencies. If the president wins this election, yes, it would apply to him. If he doesn't, it'll apply to the next president of the United States. But this isn't about anything to say, um, we got to do something like this about the election. It's not about the election at all. No, it's about post-election. It's about impeachment. I, I, I told you that on March 25th, 2020, that COVID was about impeachment. On the 25th, I told you about the 25th Amendment, which is 25 days from the election. <laughs> I mean, come on. You just can't make this thing up. So let's start on a timeline first. Let's just walk through. So we talked about Pence being sneaky. And everybody is remembering that in that meeting that they had talking about uh, impeachment because of the 25th Amendment, I say, and the wire that they wore, right? A lot of people were, you know, thinking, no, this can't happen. Oh, really? Let me show you what kind of people ran HR, ran HR at the ODNI. Okay. The ODNI. You see this face? This face. You see this face? This face is responsible for getting General Flynn retired by Obama. This face was the person that wrote up everything about weapons of mass destruction. I've been clear about where I sat during the Obama administration and what the job was. This face was DIA, walked into ODNI. And this face, before the transition documents were out, was placed on in April 2016 at a high position of hiring and firing within the ODNI that oversees 17 intelligence agencies. And this face was promoted by Coates to be the manager of who hires, who fires. She got to see everything, everything. Let's take a listen to what she thinks about law and order and what kind of advice she's giving tools. Sorry, I lost internet, internet connection last time I tried. So I wanted to help and explain why we should be all concerned and what we can do when it talks about the police and the federal agents problem in Portland and how that differs from the issue but is similar to the one in DC about Lafayette Square and the other military policing issues. There is a law called Posse Comitatus passed in the 1800s 
that says that military cannot act on domestic soil, i.e. in the U.S. So people should be appalled by what happened in front of the White House in D.C. Now they are using federal agents. And why? Because they're not technically part of the military. They're part of DHS. These agents are funded over, under counterterrorism money, not under policing money. And we are using them as police. I would recommend writing your Congress people and asking them to either expand posse comitatus to include policing, for, policing functions against our freedom of speech and petition. And if you can't do that, like writing them, just having those words and understanding what is the difference between these and why it's wrong. Because I think we all know what's wrong, but it's hard to give you the words. So using agents still to, that are funded through terrorism in response to protests are fundamentally against our First Amendment rights of speech, petition, and assembly. So those all should be able to help you if you wanna think about how you can participate in citizen, um, active, citizen action. So that's my explanation as I see it. And if I can answer any questions or help, just leave comments on, on um, the bottom of this video. So this is the end of my first one ever. Hope it went well. Okay, so she looks nuts, right? She looks nuts. She doesn't look qualified just from the way she speaks. And I'm sorry, uh, let's go to physiognomy, right? She does not look like someone that should, you know, be uh, running the HR for our nation. Now, I want to say thank you to Rick Grinnell. Either he fired her or she walked out right before. But see, I didn't know her name. I didn't know her name. And I've been following a Jane Doe for a very long time because it was a Jane Doe that called me inefficient uh, because I wasn't helping get the information they wanted on General Flynn. I can't talk about that much. One day, if Congress actually wants to hold, hold these people accountable, they'll ask me about it. But what I can tell you is that I had been following this Jane Doe for forever, you know, located her in Florida where she met with either General Jones and Hayden together or separately. I don't know. Um, and that was in uh, 2020, January. Um, and I saw the communications from 2019, December to warn her that she had been made. This woman. OK, this is her profile. She looks freaking special. I'm sorry. She does. And she looks benign, right? Don't let that trick you. These people are crazy. They will do anything to maintain power. And she has, she is a proper thoroughbred of what DC is. Allegedly, she has text conversations with Peter Strzok. Maybe the deleted messages that they can't find from the devices or the Mueller investigation, they will find on her phone. So, uh, you know, this person, listen, talent development manager at the ODNI, she was promoted in 2018. She was at the ODNI. She got promoted after I got in trouble because she was the person that was like putting together all the stuff about NATSEC here. Never saw her, but I did know that someone, you know, and once I was out, out, she went to become chief of staff of WMD, counterterrorism. So this is where she is. And every and this company, I'm going to tell you, this led me to $82 million worth of money laundering. This led me to that. Now, I only put her there 
But this is a company that um, Biden actually has hired and they do influence operations. And you know who actually backed it? That's right. The same guy who paid $100 million to um, CrowdStrike. And that is, oh, did I not put the screenshot? It's Eric Schmidt. He's on the board of directors of this company. Let me see if I can pull it up for you guys. Um, about leadership. There we go. Okay, meet our leadership. Here you go. So we've got Dan Wagner, who's the founder and CEO. What the heck is that? Eric Schmidt, Mr. Google himself. Tim O'Reilly of O'Reilly Media. Marta Hassler DeBellis. Um, so what's up? Kind of looks like Bill Gates' wife, dude. I don't know. And then we have, you know, and this is from Adobe, right? And then we have Drive Capital. Wait till you see their financials at Drive Capital. So these are the people that are using influence operations with tech. Now, most of these people, like this guy, Ben Fuller, we pulled, um, it wasn't Chris Dick. It was um, uh, some other guy's profile. They all worked for the DNC, Obama for America, um, uh, and all of them work for the unions. So I know a lot of you are Gen Xers, and you pay union dues or are getting stuff from your unions. I just want you to know that your union bucks fund the Democrats 100%. 100%. So, oh, it wasn't on the screen? Okay, you see my Twitter. Damn it. Okay, let me share that again then. Let me go back. Let me go back. Let me see if I can open it there. It's not. So I'm going to stop that. There we go. Sorry, guys. So I'm going to run it through again. Um, I guess it didn't switch over automatically. My bad. Here we go. Um, so this is... This is the article I put together um, uh, and I published it yesterday. This is the special face that I was talking about. Do you know how many people like that are in high positions? This chick, as you can see, is proper thoroughbred, proper thoroughbred, so thoroughbred. Look, up with people, I'm just saying. And she was, she's VP of people, so she manages people. She started that job in February of 2020. Acting DNI Grinnell went in uh, in February of 2020. She left in February 2020. She was head of talent development. That's a big deal. That is a across 17 intelligence agencies. And here's the point where I got in trouble, and she got promoted to chief of staff. So this is the chick. She's now at that Civis Group. Uh, this is nothing. This is just $5 million that they've gotten from there. There's more. There's, I'm telling you, there's 82 million. There's a company that is a front that they've been funneling 82 million. And it's not a lot. If you think about it on elections, 82 million, but that's one of many shell upon shell. And then, oh gosh, guess what? That shell company also happens to be in Missouri. Right. And I can almost guarantee you that the, the, um, the prosecutor was 
getting something from there. Now, here is uh, the next piece um, that I wrote yesterday morning that I was talking about. Timing is everything. Remember, 575,000 Americans died from the swine flu. Um, and that in 2016, Hillary Clinton actually tapped Eric Schmidt of Google, who's on the board with this big tech influence operations company, Civis. Um, and they were canvassing the the flu so it was like um let me see does it open up in another page it does right okay so i'll open it up in the other page but it says the 2017 2018 flu season was the worst in many years the cdc estimated that roughly 80,000 americans died as a result of the flu season well above the other seasons in total in the last 40 years in addition the vaccine the vaccination rate among adults was down to only 37.1% the lowest in 7 years and well below the CDC's goal of 70%. We set up randomized controlled trial using our on-demand creative focus tool to determine what types of messages may be most effective in persuading people to get the flu shot. Again, pandemic infodemic, I told you, this was her groundwork in 2016 when she tapped him um, you know, to, to start the whole thing. And they pushed it out, um, in 2017, 2018. And that's where they started thumping the, uh, booster shots. And this is why almost everyone that died from having those symptoms had the flu shot. A hundred percent of the people that died from COVID or SARS-2, um, you know, I've said this so many times before, um, you know, this was all a plan here. Here's where we talk about how they can persuade. Complete the form below to access finding from the research. These people are sick. Identity resolution and data management. <laughs> look, learn how we build. Look at this. They are investigating you. They are taking your information. Data is key now. So speaking of data and key. What we have to understand is that we have all the tools to understand what is going on in today's society. Uh, you know, no one would listen when I was um, talking about the election fraud in 2016 and 2015. And in 2016, you know, I was talking about the DNC hack, how it was fake, how it was about this. I just kept going and going. No one would listen because I guess ears weren't trained. I had to use alternate personas to get people's attention later. But anyway, I wanted to... Um, to remind everyone that, as I've always said, I can never change the past. Nobody can change the past. But what I, what we can do is, I'm here in the present now, but I have seen what's coming. So if I can see what's coming and I'm in the present now, I can fix the future. Future is always malleable. There are so many dimensions and versions of the future that can happen. It's ridiculous. And I want people to understand that. And that all has to do on the canvas of endless energy and light. Everything else vibrates and it's a frequency and you can alter it as you wish. Hence the fear porn from the right as well. Thank you, Catherine Herridge, for not feeding into it. Now, um, we're going to start on a little history lesson <laughs> I'm just going to remind you who these players are. So we're going to go back to um, 2011. Uh, this, uh, I'm just going to introduce you a little bit to this person so you understand who they are and um, see why we are where we are today. So this is Mrs. Sarah Bloom, Governor Sarah Bloom Raskin. Take a listen to her. 
Well, thank you, Ray, for that lovely introduction. I am I am very happy to be here. I see some old friends in the audience and um, really am honored to be able to join you uh, today. I want to thank the New America Foundation, uh, the Center for Financial Security, and the Congressional Savings and Ownership Caucus, really for the invitation to speak at this important conference addressing the savings and credit needs of Americans as our economy recovers. It really is a, a true pleasure to be with you here today. Um, yeah, as Ray has mentioned, I'm the mother of three teenagers. And, um, you know, as, as the mother of three teenagers who are struggling toward adulthood, and those of you who've been there or will be doing it, you know that's always two steps forward and one step back, or maybe it's sometimes a couple of steps sideways. Um, but I inevitably think about economic inclusion from the standpoint of young people entering the workforce and the adult economy. And so I ask myself, what does it mean for them to be included in the economy? Well, obviously I want them to be able to find satisfying, meaningful and decently compensated work. Um, surely this is as much a marker of the transition to adulthood in our society as is registering to vote or earning the all important driver's license. We might say that we're not truly included in the economy until we draw our first paycheck. One of the tragedies of our current lingering recession is that so many young Americans have not been able to experience the thrilling rite of passage that comes with finding a stable and decent paying job. And of course, even beyond the young, there are millions of Americans stuck in unemployment lines desperate to find a way back into the productive economy. The question of employment, though, is not our focus today, but I do want to pause to underscore the promotion of maximum employment imperative of the Federal Reserve's dual mandate. I believe that this imperative has broad importance in American social and economic life. But economic inclusion also implies a kind of belonging and membership in the economy that goes beyond employment. In the financial and regulatory world, economic inclusion refers to efforts to expand public access to and participation in mainstream financial services. This effective inclusion in the financial marketplace depends upon a strong regulatory framework, active market participation, and an expansion in public financial literacy. For the sake of All right. clarity, All right. For the sake I'll, I'll of call clarity, this meaning financial inclusion as distinct from economic inclusion. Okay, so let me tell you who this chick is, all right? Aside from the fact that she unmasked General Flynn, and I'll tell you why she did, um, I want you to see her profile on Wikipedia. This is Sarah Bloom Raskin. She is the wife of Jamie Raskin. She was a Federal Reserve Board of Governors, right? Uh, she was um, then uh, nominated by Barack Hussein Obama in 2014, March 19th, 2014, to take over the Treasury. That was a very specific time. This happened after Brennan got into office, too. And I'll tell you why. It's uh, very important. Now, I had written an article, and I'm going to go looking for it, about uh, the Department of Energy and the and, and uh, uh, the the treasury, the department, uh, the treasury department and the department of energy, specifically a chick named Priya, who was actually sent documentation by Strzok about Hillary Clinton's emails. Okay. About her emails. So I want you to see that, um, this is all 
coming together for you guys. Again, it was all about her emails. Again, why would the Treasury be involved? Why would she be unmasking Flynn? Now, this ties back to the article that I wrote yesterday. So this chick, right, was responsible for making sure that General Flynn would be retired in the Obama administration. She called me an insufficient, inefficient. <laughs> that was the report. That is what I heard. Okay. And that is what I saw. So I wonder if there's still paperwork. So I was inefficient. The bottom line is the treasury was always responsible for washing money and how we would be funding ISIS. And this is for a long time, not only ISIS, but Iran. So the money that was sent on a plane, the 1.6 billion plus there was more. So it's closer to 2.7 billion if you break down all the transactions. But that aircraft with the actual cash that can't be traced, who do you think had the ability to do that? Right? Okay. So it's the Treasury Department goes back to them. So she's the one that unmasked Flynn. Now, we're going to take another history lesson, and we're just going to remember reportings um, and talks about the 25th Amendment. So um, before we go to that, we're going to see Obama talking about Miss Raskin. You need to hear this. This is, this, is, this is how you can see, like I've said so many times in so many ways and methods, uh, we have everything we need. President Barack Obama will nominate Federal Reserve Governor Sarah Bloom Raskin as the U.S. Treasury Department's number two official. Meeting behind closed doors with House Democrats, President Barack Obama faced questions from his own party about his reported consideration of Larry Summers as the next chairman of the Federal Reserve. In a letter to the president, Republican lawmakers said that President Barack Obama's recent comments on the Keystone XL oil pipeline, downplaying jobs that would be created, jeopardized the project by adding to its uncertainty. Okay, so that was money, right? So we talked money on that one. Hold on. Now we're going to go to, let's see, we need to go to 20... Um, 2017, where the first discussion happened. This is where they had started canvassing about COVID. Um, so we're going to listen to the first report on July 6, 2017. Um, remember what happened around that time with the 25th Amendment, you guys? Okay. There was a meeting with Rod Rosenstein, Dan Coates, and Vice President Pence about wearing a wire because when President Trump was pissed, and let me tell you something, there would be no cuss word ever. And those of you that have come contact with me up front, you know, they say the more you curse, the more intelligent you are. Yeah, I do that a lot. Super sailor mouth. So I want you to listen at the time, right before they had this meeting, this is what they were discussing. You need to remember these things. Five, five. 
Take a listen. Democrats in the House are taking a new approach to get President Trump out of the White House. Nearly two dozen Democrats have signed on to a bill that would create a commission with the power to determine at any moment if President Trump or any future president is mentally or physically unfit for office. The legislation is inspired by the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, which establishes procedures in case the president or vice president cannot perform their duties. The bill was proposed in April, but support has grown in the last week after the president sent several controversial tweets aimed at cable news hosts and media networks. Joining us now to talk about this is the bill's sponsor, Maryland Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin. So, Congressman, welcome to you. Uh, Start off by laying out what exactly your bill plans or proposes to do. So, Katie, thank you for having me. The 25th Amendment sets forth procedures for presidential succession and also for uh, dealing with the problem of presidential incapacity. It's been invoked six different times in different kinds of scenarios when, for example, President Reagan had surgery or President Bush had surgery and powers were temporarily surrendered to the vice president. Section four of the 25th Amendment says that the vice president of the United States can act with a majority of the cabinet to determine that there's a presidential incapacity or the vice president can act with a majority of any body to be set up. Congress and Congress never set up the body that's called for in the 25th Amendment. So this is us essentially following through on our constitutional obligation to set up a body in the event of a presidential disability. And that's something that would be determined by the body, but of course, only with the vice president of the United States. So we're talking about a body that is nonpartisan, that's independent, and that acts with the vice president, who, of course, is reporting directly to the president. So it would be in the most extreme cases where there's a consensus that's developed. The president is incapable of discharging the duties of office. So according to your bill, this body includes 11 members appointed by House and Senate leaders. It also includes three political people like former presidents, vice presidents, senior government officials, four psychiatrists, four physicians, and that Congress would need to sign off on all members. Do you believe that this has a a snowball's chance and you know what of getting passed? Oh, well, of course it does, because the body is contemplated by the Constitution in the 25th Amendment. It was adopted 50 years ago. We're in the 50th anniversary of this provision in the Constitution. Uh, And it's, uh, you know, as I said, it's been used multiple times. And so this simply follows through on our constitutional responsibility. I hear you, but but this has so far only been signed on, and correct me if I'm wrong, by Democrats. Democrats don't control Congress. They don't control the Senate. They don't control the House. They don't control the White House. So, I mean, without any Republican support, do you think that this is uh, a, a good use of time right now? Well, you know, things in Congress uh, do take time uh, to happen. And it's been, you know, 50 years that the 25th Amendment has been in place. But the body itself would be nonpartisan. It would only be activated upon bipartisan, bicameral action by Congress. So there's nothing for anybody to be afraid of uh, except for a presidential incapacity. And that's what the 25th Amendment was all about. It was adopted after the assassination of President Kennedy. And of course, we've had multiple assassinations and assassination attempts take place in our history. We've had lots of presidents incapacitated by different kinds of illnesses, physical and mental, and so on. And so we need to be prepared. Do you believe that this this bill would end up uh, resulting in the removal of President Trump? 
I've got no idea and it's not my call and it's really not my interest. What we have is a constitutional responsibility to discharge here, which is to set up the body that's called for in the 25th Amendment. And so got it. And, uh, well, I just don't know. So the, my question to you is Democrats are losing governorships. They're losing state legislatures. They've lost all the special elections or, or at least four of the, spe- of the five special elections this far. Um, they don't control the House. They don't control the Senate. They don't control the presidency. Uh, is this basically giving the sense that this is a an anti-Trump, anti-this uh, uh, president bill and not something where the Democrats are saying, here is what we believe in, here is what we are going to do for the American people? Are you risking uh, just giving more fodder to those who say that, you know, the, the deep state or, or Congress is doing anything they can to make sure that President Trump doesn't succeed? What about what would you say to those who might raise well, that criticism? You know, I haven't heard that from anybody except on the media. Of course, the Democrats are the party that built Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and the Affordable Care Act. And we're moving forward to try to expand health coverage to reduce prescription drug prices. And it's the Republicans that want to throw 22 million people off their health care. And that's President Trump's agenda and program. So uh, this is no fetish with us. It's a constitutional responsibility that we've got to execute. But we're trying to move forward on uh, the real mandates of the American people. And we want to expand health coverage and we want to build the infrastructure and invest in the infrastructure. We want real tax justice and the tax plan. We're not getting any agenda from the president. And as you correctly know, they've got control of the House, the Senate, the White House, but there's no agenda that's happening there. So, you know, this is part of a broad picture. We need every tool in our toolkit on the table in order to make progress for the American people right now. Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin, Democratic member of the House. So that was 2017, 2017, after Comey was fired, right before they sat down to wear a wire for the 25th Amendment thing, Pence, uh, Rod Rosenstein, and the whole nine yards. Now, I found, instead of me explaining it, I found this really great animated guy who um, does a great job. This is a video from six years ago explaining the 25th Amendment. So get ready for some some education here, Um, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, they're doing this for Joe so they can remove Joe and maybe slot Hillary or Kamala. No, they're doing this to remove President Trump. Yes, 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 yes. And yes, I told you COVID is about impeachment. It wasn't about just locking you in, killing his economy, killing your business, destroying our school systems, setting shit on fire. It was about impeaching him because he's getting reelected. And they want this to pass because after he's elected, when the media is going to be like, no, we haven't counted the votes. He's just crazy. He totally didn't win. That's where these psychiatrists come out and say uh, he's mentally unstable because he thinks that the media is all out to get him. You get what I'm saying? So I just gave you the short version. I already know this is why I'm like so excited. I'm living in these times because they don't know this timeline. Again, if you don't have objective eyes, and I know I sound very subjective, but believe me, I come from a very objective perspective. Sometimes I want to reach out and, and, and just, you know, appear in the Oval Office and say, what are you doing? Get rid of him. 
It's not going to work like this. Do this. <laughs> you know, sometimes I do want to do that. And I'm sure many of us have been there. Um, dreaming about the moment where we're like, like nope, you're going to listen to me. Stop. Put that Diet Coke down and listen to me right now. This you need to, <laughs> all of us, because sometimes even though we have a great plan, other people make sure that they can plan it too. I, I can't say that in any other way um, uh, that would be easier for people to understand. Hold on. Um, give me a second. Why can't I find it? Give me a second. I have like so many windows open. I need to. Um, so I'm going to show you the difference from 2014 to 2018 with the same person too, just so you can see where we're at. So why is this coming up? Let me see something. Okay, stop. Okay, I was like, why is that? It's, I wanted the 2012 video, but I couldn't find it. There we go. Here we go. Ready, guys? Time for some edumacation. Hey, guys, welcome to Hippie's History. We're banging out the 25th Amendment. That's right, Constitution playlist. We shut the door on you real soon. So I don't care if you're a kid in school, a lifelong learner, cray cray on the internet. I'm going to do a little bit of the teaching, and you're going to do a little bit of the learning. Houston, we have a problem. And that would be Article 2 um, in the Constitution, which is so perfect that it's kind of messed up in the sense that in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6, when it talks about what happens if the president is incapacitated or if he dies, the vice president, kind of what happens next? It's really, really vague. It kind of kicks the ball to Congress and it really doesn't even uh, give clear language that the vice president would be the full president if the president steps down or um, resigns or dies. Um, and the two main problems we can clarify is not only that, but bigger problems. What happens if the president goes cray cray? If the president um, has a mental breakdown, if the president, you know, drops acid, whatever, don't do drugs, whatever. The idea is there really isn't a clear path to what should occur. And number two, if the president does die and the vice president does take over, is there another vice president? And uh, there really isn't. 16 times before the 25th Amendment, there either was the vice president becoming president or something occurring where there was no vice president. In fact, FDR um, died in the beginning of his fourth term and there was no vice president for four years. So really, uh, we can do a little bit of the history. I really want to talk about the 25th Amendment. We really operated under what was called the Tyler precedent um, for, I don't know, I want to do the math in my head, but for 130 or 40 years. Um, if you remember, and maybe you don't, but William Henry Harrison, what a ding dong he was when he took his inauguration. He didn't want to wear a coat. He thought he was going to be all hip and cool and uh, got pneumonia and died. And he'd be the first guy who died in office. Um, and John Tyler, his vice president, then kind of took over. But it was really unclear as to whether he was the acting vice president until something else occurred, like another election. Tyler didn't have to take an oath of office, but he did take the oath of office because he was cool like that. And he did get Congress to pass a resolution stating that he was the full president. So after you know that, that became the, the rule. So when Garfield goes down and Lincoln goes down and McKinley goes down and FDR goes down, um, we do have this kind of unwritten rule that the vice president becomes president. But there really is a huge push for some kind of clarity in the language after some failed attempts after the death of JFK. Um, and we do have something called the presidential succession law, and it has an order in terms of who would be next and you know 
after the vice president, and it goes to the Speaker of the House and the Senate pro tem. But there was kind of a little issue over their age. I think, you know, with the Kennedy assassination and kind of having no vice president with Lyndon Johnson taking over and having the Speaker of the House, I think in his mid-70s, and the uh, Senate pro temp was like 119 years old. There really is this push to get this bad boy done. So let's get that done. Wrong with that, but we really want to write that down. So let's write it down. 25th So there's four sections. Uh, section one is really easy. It just you know clarifies that idea that if the president resigns or dies, that the president is uh, going to be the president. So that's number one. Number two is going to be um, in terms of that there's that vacancy then. So this would be, for instance, when Richard Nixon, I'm not a crook, steps down, John Ford takes over, he's going to be able to nominate um, who, you know, his vice president, um, which I believe is going to be Rockefeller back then. And then they're confirmed by a majority in both houses. That's section two of um, Amendment 25. And then it starts to go into what happens if the president can't do his job. And this would first fall to if the president could communicate that. So if the president's going into surgery or the president has, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, moment of I'm losing my mind, um, he can write a formal declaration uh, to Congress. And then when he, you know, rescinds that with another letter, then he would take that power, you know, back over. So section four is literally like the coup d'etat. If you watch House of Cards, Kevin Spacey, I believe, pull one of these um, trying to get rid of the president. But basically, if the vice president can get a majority of the cabinet of the executive officers to write a formal declaration to Congress saying the president's lost his marbles, immediately the vice president ascends to the presidency. But wait, it's not over. Then the president can write to Congress and be like, I'm not crazy. And then bam, he's president. And then I believe that the vice president and that majority of executive officers have four days to uh, go back to Congress and say, is crazy. And then 48 hours, I think it is, um, that the Congress has to decide whether or not the president can fulfill his functions. So that's it. It's a 25th Amendment. Remember, you have the idea that the vice president's going to be president. We now have a matter to pick a vice president when that vice president ascends to the presidency. And we have a way for a president to kind of discharge himself. And now we have a secret coup d'etat way to get rid of the president. I don't know why I'm talking like I'm on Bullwinkle. So we hope that you learned something. That's all I got. Guys, oh my gosh, what just happened? Like my whole thing was disconnected completely. Uh, that was super bizarre. Now, you heard this guy talk, right? You heard him explain it. You heard him. Section four, right? Now you're going to hear him during a Trump administration. Are you ready for this one? This one's going to tell you exactly. What did he tell you? Oh, it's a coup d'etat of how we can take out the president. I don't know why I'm talking in such a nefarious fashion. Well, let's see. Why is he talking in such a nefarious fashion? Take a look. <laughs> the question, is there a way to remove a president who go cray cray other than impeachment and removal in the Senate? And the answer is a striking yes. So let's take the 25th Amendment, Section 4, and grow our collective brains. 
So following the death of JFK, there was a united effort to create a new amendment, the 25th Amendment, to deal with situations uh, where either the president was incapacitated, was in surgery, and to make sure we all knew that the vice president was going to be the acting president. And you can certainly check out the 25th Amendment video that I've already done to check out those other parts, but we're focusing on Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, which I will read out loud right now, at least part of it. Whenever the vice president and the majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro temp of the Senate and the speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So the first section is pretty simple. The vice president really has to be part of this coup d'etat because if the vice president isn't on board, the president isn't going anywhere. And the thought process is, is that it would be the vice president and the cabinet that would know the president best. So if the president had gone off the rocker, they would be the ones that would be the first to know. So the way the system works is the vice president, along with a majority of his cabinet, which would mean at least 13 of the 24 cabinet heads, would have to write written declarations to both the head of the Senate, the Senate pro temp, and the Speaker of the House, that the president was unfit to continue continue to do their job. That means that 14 people can take out the president, but it doesn't end there. Now, the president can write back to Congress and say, no, I'm fine. I want to do my job. I am fit. And then power goes back to the president because as soon as those written declarations go in, the vice president becomes the acting president, but then the president can grab it back. But wait, then the vice president and those cabinet officials have four days, count them, one, two, three, four, to write back to Congress to say, oh no, he is cray cray. And then the power goes back to the vice president. And then the second part of section four kicks in, which is basically Congress is going to decide if the president be cray cray. They have to convene. But how's this? How is it that if they file those declarations and the president, when the power goes to Vice President Pence, but there is no Vice President Pence because he's sick and the president responds to the Vice President and those declarations, but on the receiving end, it's not Pence. You see, uh, we've gotten everything under control. But do you see their plan? We just... Um, you got a tango, man. And at the end, when they're waiting for you to dip, you drop in 48 hours. And then they have 21 days to hold a hearing to decide with a supermajority required in both the House and the Senate of a two third majority vote that the president indeed is crazy. But if they don't get that two third majority in the House and the Senate, the power transfers back to the president. There's also a little caveat in the 25th Amendment, Section 4, where Congress could legally create a law that would create a body that would replace the cabinet. So it could be some type of mental stability board. But of course, that would have to pass and be signed by the president or would have to be passed with a veto-proof majority, which doesn't seem likely right now. So that's how Section 4 of the 25th Amendment works. So if we do have a cray-cray president, there is a constitutional way to take them out. So that's all I got for you. If you haven't subscribed to Hip Hughes History, make sure you do that below with a little subscribe. Yeah, so um, that's uh, pretty interesting, isn't it?
So we went to 2017 and we saw Raskin talk about it. Now let's go to January of 2018 where Raskin joins CNN New Day. Remember, she like ran away and got, I actually, you know what? I self-proclaim that she ran away from Twitter with what I said, but you know, I just, I like to think so because it was like, what? Who is this nobody telling Tomorrow, a group of lawmakers will meet with a Yale psychiatrist to discuss President Trump's mental fitness. One congressman has already proposed a bill to make it easier for Congress to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove President Trump from office if he's found mentally unfit. Joining us now is that congressman, Democrat Jamie Raskin of Maryland. Congressman, thanks so much for being here. Good morning. Delighted to be with you. So this meeting tomorrow with the Yale psychiatrist, who called for that and what prompted it? Well, let's see. Um, I believe that Dr. Lee is coming to visit a, a bunch of people in Washington. She's been here before. Um, the bill that I've introduced, H.R. 1987, I actually submitted back in April, long before or even before their book came out. And so um, what prompted that? I mean, there's a couple of things that happened. Listen, the psychiatrist met in December with lawmakers. I know you've spoken to her a couple of times. You've proposed this bill. What's prompting this? Well, the 25th Amendment in Section 4 says that the vice president in the cabinet or the vice president in a body set up by Congress can determine that there's presidential incapacity for reasons physical or mental. Um, and I think that concerns have been raised from the very beginning of the presidency about the cognitive state of the president, the emotional state of the president, and his ability to take care that the laws are faithfully executed, which is the principal job of the president of the United States. And so um, I don't take a position on whether or not the president um, currently has capacity or incapacity, but I'm taking the position that we've got a constitutional responsibility to act under the 25th Amendment to set up the body that's been called for. I see. And so yours is more focused. What you're calling for with the 25th Amendment is more focused on procedure than actual diagnosis of the president's mental fitness. And I do want to get... I, I want to get to that in a second. But first, I just want to get to some of the things that Dr. Lee has said, okay? She has said... She's described the president as dangerous. She has said he is becoming very unstable very quickly. Mr. Trump is showing signs of impairment. She hasn't evaluated him. How can she say those things? Well, as I understand it, I'll let her speak for herself, of course, but as I understand it, she's taking the position and the other psycho psychologists and psychiatrists and neurologists who participated in the are saying that there are warning signs and they considered a very dangerous situation without rendering a specific diagnosis. And of course, they've got a First Amendment right to do that, just like the president has a First Amendment right to declare himself a very stable genius or Steve Bannon. Yeah, he's a freaking stable genius. And here's the thing. Do you know what? This is 2018. And what happened? And then they try it again six months later. You should listen to this because it's pretty interesting um, you know, how they formulate these arguments. They have a First Amendment right to talk about the present. Yeah. But they can't formally get together and put you know, whatever they want on paper and then submit it as officials. Jamie, Jamie, they can't. We're going to find out everything your wife did about paying Iran. That's because my eyes were all over that with ISIS and, <laughs> and the banks, UBS. We should start talking. We should start talking. Why is his wife walking around? She should be in jail, bar. That's what I'm saying. They failed. 
They failed. They failed. And the fact that they're saying that President Trump is going to be on Fox getting evaluated medically pisses me off that he's even entertaining this. But he needs to give them more because it's the only way we draw out all of them. All of them will be drawn out by playing their game. That's the way it is. And they think that they're going to get something done. Uh, no, no, that's not how it works. But listen to what else he says. This is, remember, January of 2018. That's over two years ago. Bannon has the right to say that the president is totally lost it. And so everybody can opine. But what we're looking for in Congress is a real process. And luckily, because of the vision of Senator Birch Bayh and Senator Robert F. Kennedy, we've got a process that's built into the 25th Amendment, which is that we have the authority to set up this body and it would be bipartisan bicameral, independent, and it would have on it physicians, psychiatrists, former statesmen and stateswomen. And they okay, so let's talk about this bipartisan. Are we talking about Republicans and um, Democrats? Shut up. You know, there's people like the Senate won't do this. Senate has no freaking say on this crap. None. It's Congress and they have control of the House. You see, this is what they want. They want the House again. So what is it going to happen? You think we're waiting for a report? These clowns can't be reelected into the House. We need them arrested. We need them removed. Schiff should have been removed when he lied about the call. The fact that he was even talking about the call. But, you know, it comes down to what Durham is doing. See, someone got with me yesterday and I talked about it when we had like, um, you know, on the fly kind of discussion. Someone that's been listening to me for a while, um, you know, from before. And <laughs> there's a report that went out by the Daily Caller, which is years behind me. And so Durham is asking a grand jury, it says, listen to this, to investigate. Let me share this with you guys, uh, for those of you that are watching, because then you're going to get what's really going on here. Okay. You're going to, you're going to get this. So this report is uh, to investigate debunked Trump Russia allegation, right? And so here he is where he's asking to look into things. It says, Attorney General William Barr appointed Durham in March of 2019. Which one? Which one? This is senior. Uh, well, I'm just going to I'm going to stop because I know other ears are listening too. So um, to investigate the FBI, CIA and other agencies in regards of their um, intelligence gathering. Now, here's the deal. There was a story in the slate where a computer scientist who went by the pseudonym of tea leaves. Oh, you mean fortune teller? You mean, oh, yeah, mine is better than yours because um, IBM really dropped the ball on that one. Uh, discovered suspicious computer traffic between servers for Alpha Bank and the Trump organization. So what happened was Hillary Clinton used that to demonstrate that President Trump was conspiring with Russia. And this is how they did it through Alpha Bank. And so they were saying all these things. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Do you know who really did a lot of doings and dealings with Alpha Bank? McCain did. Graham did. Senator Klobuchar. Kiev Amy, right? Kiev Klobuchar. Her. She did. But you know where it all comes down to? Right back to Charles Black. Because Oleg Deripaska right, which you're going to see in this article too, is all linked to them. Super McCainer, like Tiny Dancer. I already know where he got the money from, uh, which, which again, 25th Amendment, 25 days from the election. Look at the right that's putting out stories about Joe Biden being sick. This is working for the left, 
not the right. We already know Joe can't tie a shoe. We already know he's done. He's got dementia, not Parkinson's. Come on. And the fact that you're pushing that narrative when we don't need it. Like, I'd love to sit there and show everyone how I say that Big Mike doesn't have a vagina, right? But it's just going to play on to what they want you to do. You need to stay away from the narratives that they're doing. So if we're pushing, no, he's sick. No, he's sick. No, he's sick. That just is what? hurting us. So there you can see which people lie on the side of America first and which do not. Uh, paying attention is very important. So here we have Jake Sullivan. Whoop, let's throw him under the bus. Come on, man. We already know who the heck Jake Sullivan is. Just a tool taking orders. And the thing is, you want to point the fingers. He's already dead, per se. So anyway, the IG, listen to this, discounted the allegation completely. What does that mean? It means that Horowitz didn't even look at it. He was just like, yeah, mm, whatever. The FBI under Comey, who hates President Trump, who thinks he shouldn't be in office, who is one of the big minions, right? investigated the computer traffic determined in February of 2017 after they removed Flynn, after they started this whole Russia thing, after Comey backstabbed the president, said there were no links between Alpha Bank and Trump's company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We looked at it. It's nothing. Wait a minute. No, no. Wait a minute. Where's the report of you looked at it? Yeah. So there was, a, it was just bull. We're not going to look at it. Goes, no, no, no. Let's take a look, says Durham. I want to see who this tea leaves guy is. I want to see the code. Remember, I've been saying for three years now, hmm, Chinese code can be made to look as Russian code. And who is the mother of all giving birth to that technology? Oh, that's right. CrowdStrike. <laughs> so here is where it's going to get real interessante. So we have all of this stuff they're talking about. So what comes up? Oh, Daniel Jones. Damn. Am I the only person within our nation talking about Daniel Jones? Actually, Daniel Jones is how I found out. Take a look that it wasn't a whistleblower. It was actually a wiretap. I've been talking about Daniel Jones forever in a day. The guy that took all this money from all these big donors. Oh, Daniel Jones fingerprints all over whistleblower complaint. But why now? Exclusive whistleblower is Adam Schiff's scapegoat. Real players identified. Obama plant in the NSA. Whistleblower is a wiretap. Phony dossier series. Why is no one talking about Adam Waldman? See, look at all these. These are all related to Daniel Jones. It's all there in front of you. It's just if you choose to see it. Because apparently other people know the news and they're giving you BS bullshit, right? Of what is actually the news. Because one, either they don't know or two, they're getting paid. And I can tell you about 95% of them are getting paid to not tell you what's up. So, um... Bottom line is, this is what's up. You know, Daniel J. Jones, who, who that dude was. All right. So he started with Teach America um, and some other like foundation. Hold on. Let me let me pull that up with the with the profile that I have on him. So when I saw the whistleblower complaint, I saw that it was composed of multiple people and it was written in a very specific way. And after having studied the supposed report that they did on CIA torture, damn Gina Haspel, where are you at? Um, so keep in mind, this is from 2019 that I put this. It was safe to talk about it then because they had stuff, but I, this guy, okay, this guy wrote 
over 6,000 pages, supposedly, of the CIA torture report. He worked uh, through Feinstein. He was, uh, you know, Brennan's little minion dude, above board minion dude. In 2016, he set up his own company, PQG, Penn Quarter Group, and he got a lot of money. This is the guy. They made a movie out of him, too, right? They made a movie about him, too. I'm just saying, what did I say about movies? That's what's up. So in here, I tell you how he was the key point guy to talking to Christopher Steele. It clearly says, referring to Christopher Steele, he said he will also speak with Dan Joan, whom he says he's talking to you. This is Mark Warner. Oh, you mean the Republican? Yeah, that one. So why is Mark Warner now under investigation? Nobody asked that question. I, I've been talking about that. So why the leak now? You have to see. Look over here. I just want you to see the instance of interference in Ukraine's affair by U.S. official to achieve U.S. objectives, barring, you know, public life. Ukraine was closely followed by another instance of interference, namely forcing Poroshenko to dismiss me because my actions as general prosecutor did not suit the interests of the U.S. Vice President Biden and persons connected to him. Oh, you mean I've been telling you about all these lawsuits and how he's been named and how they're suing Joe Biden for f forever in a day. Now, uh, the complaint has his fingerprints because of the way he wrote it. Remember, there's over 6,000 pages. You can see how they're done. Multiple White House officials. So bizarre. This is Nellie Orr's connection to Ukraine, too. This is this is not something, oh, you know, whatever. We just don't understand. Look, there's emails with Victoria Newland. Wait till you get to her assistant and what she was saying through Etsy. But, you know, in all this, I want to know where Gina Haspel is. Like, these are things that I've been talking about for a very long time. Before I write the article, I was talking about it. Before anything, I was talking about it. I was pointing it out to you because it's important that you know that if we already know what they're doing, they can't win. It's like you've got to be real dumb to not be able to win when you already know what they're doing. That's the thing. Joe and Kamala are running just to stop investigations. I want you guys to understand that. This 25th Amendment is their last hallelujah. This is their last breath. They're like, all right, he's gonna, he, we're not going to tell him that he won. We're going to flood the media and everybody and their mother to say that maybe the Democrats won. He's going to go berserk. You know, Pence... Look at how level-headed he was. Look at how stern he was. She was like, Mr. Pence, Mr. he didn't even flick. He didn't even flinch. He just sat there like super stoic, like, I'm going to continue talking, and I'm going to bring it right in, and I'm super presidential. Compared to Wallace that wound the president up, Tarzan came at our president to make him look totally unstable, totally pissed off, they pissed him off beforehand. They pissed him off during it. They pissed him off afterwards. And then they propped Pence up while that bitch was lying through her teeth. Why? Oh, it's because they want to say, well, he seems better. This is how they push it. This is how they put it forward. You have to see this is all, they all have their scripts. <laughs> they have their scripts. And for me, Stepping back and watching the movie, if I really wish that through these three years you were at that position where you could step back and watch the movie. I really wish. Because then, like me, you'd be eating popcorn. Now, I'm, I'm just going to say...
It's all going to be fine. It's going to be really dangerous. Come close. 15, 17, it's going to be dangerous because 20 is the day. Uh, you know, it's going to be the day. And what I do where I'm telling you this, where I, and I'm very careful about what I write. I have to wait for a certain period of time to go through because they will. They, they I mean, I'm not scared of anything, but this is a big deal. I'm telling you, when you see, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, they have painted themselves into such a box that there is no way out. And I think Gavin this morning actually tweeted to everyone about Shadowgate 2. And it's important to understand what he was saying. He said, just so you know, Shadowgate 2 would be out already had we not made serious discoveries in the process of finishing it. It's almost complete. In the meantime, enjoy this hint. Those circling around the president in coup formation are in a box and there is nothing they can do now. He then further said, those that have attacked our documentary, our whistleblowers and my family will be revealed to be connected to one of the biggest deep state corruption syndicates there has ever been. Hence, the PSYOP against Shadowgate. By the way, Shadowgate has five whistleblowers lined up. Huge. Now, I say this because, do you know that Millie, Gavin, and her brother all have court on the 3rd of November on election day, supposedly? Do you guys know that? Totally not political, right? Totally not political, right? So everything is changing on election day. I'm all for, let's just black it out. Let's, let's go back to primitive and we'll do it better the next time. I'm all for it. I'd love to see that. Unfortunately, that's only at a 22% right now. I would totally love to see it. I've got my Faraday bag so I can keep some pictures. Other than that, I'm game on. I really don't care. Really don't care. Because right now we're partying like it's 1929 and I'm telling you, Obamagate, Spygate, Russia hoax, Scotusgate, any gate you can think of. And you know what? We're going to have a new version of Watergate, and that's a hint. That is a hint. Watch the word water. That is a hint. Very big hint. That is what I'm working on. So I want you to know that everything you're seeing now has already been played out. Listen to look, listen to him and you'll see, he said it again in 2018. Later on, he said it in 2019. It's all been there all along. You just don't see it because you're conditioned not to listen. They would be able to act in the event of a crisis. A couple more questions before I get to that process. Um, you're right. She has a first amendment, right? to say these things. However, the American Psychiatric Association really frowns on this. In fact, they have a protocol for not uh, diagnosing somebody without evaluating them. And I know that maybe she hasn't given an exact like DSM diagnosis. However, when she says that Mr. Trump is showing signs of impairment and that the president is very dangerous, I mean, isn't that hyperbole? Um, well, it may or may not be, depending on your perspective. I mean, you know, they've been invoking what they call delusional behavior. So the president one day admits that the Access Hollywood tape is true. He apologized for it. And then a few months later denies the existence of it and says that the whole thing is fake news. You know, there are newspapers. I think it's The Washington Post that's collected what they call 
thousands of lies told by the president. The other interpretation is that these are not lies, but he actually believes them, and that is delusional behavior. But again, you know, anybody can pine under the First Amendment, but what we need is a process to deal with the possibility of a real crisis. You know, we got 535 members of Congress. We've only got one president in the United States. That's why we have a 25th Amendment that was adopted in the nuclear age. And the senators who introduced it and pushed for it, I've read the entire legislative history, they said this is very serious business. If you have a president who goes into a coma or loses his memory or has a psychotic break or for some other reason is unable to render properly the powers and duties of office. Okay, so as I understand it, the way the 25th Amendment is triggered is by the vice president. And your point is that Mike Pence will never do that. There's no scenario that you could imagine by which Mike Pence would do that. So you are trying to, to call for um, a revision whereby it would be what you think is a more impartial body than the cabinet, the president's own cabinet or the vice president. I'm just wondering, do you Can have- I interrupt you there? Yeah, that's not, yep. yeah, that's not exactly right. It's not triggered by the vice president. If you read the 25th Amendment in section four, it says the vice president and the cabinet can act or the vice president in a body set up by Congress. So uh, the body can initiate it, the cabinet can initiate it, or the vice president can initiate it. Okay, so you're sort of planning for a, a rainy day of some kind. And I'm just wondering, are other lawmakers going along with you and signing on? And do you have any Republican support? So I introduced it back in April. Uh, yesterday, um, we had 60 co-sponsors who've joined onto it. Um, and no Republicans have done so yet. Obviously, a number of Republicans have expressed their concerns about what they've described as erratic and unstable behavior in the White House, which one Republican senator described as an adult daycare center. Again, you don't have to take a position one way or another, but if you think that enough questions have been raised, then we think that we need to be prepared for this. Um, and that's what the 25th Amendment's all yeah. about. Question. In December, when you met with that Yale psychiatrist and there was a group of lawmakers that did so, we understand there was one Republican in there. Can you tell us who that was? Um, I was not part of any group meeting with Dr. Lee. She came to my office to mm -hmm. visit me for a moment. And well, I had to go vote. So right, I, but I you just, know about it. And so can you tell us who that Republican was? I actually don't know. I'd be I'd be interested to know who it is, too. But look, I mean, Senator Corker has raised very specific questions. Senator Flake has raised very specific questions. So, you know, I don't think we need to get to the level of investigative journalism to see who said what to whom. We've got a whole book written by these psychologists and neurologists and psychiatrists. And we've got a number of members of Congress uh, who have raised very yeah. legitimate and valid questions. So if we can get you know, one or two levels above just the name calling that's been taking place the last few days, we can develop the process the Constitution calls for. Congressman Jamie Raskin, thank you very much for explaining it to us today. Great yeah, to have you. Thanks. Chris. There's thanks. another component that's every bit as important. So Wait. whether Congress... Um, we don't want to listen to that part. Hold on. We don't need to listen to that part. Now let's go to 2018. Again. Okay, this is another one. 2018. Again. Um... Is this the one? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Um, yeah. Rod Rosenstein discussed secretly taping Trump in 25th Amendment. This is from MSDNC. Just um, watch this one. See, it's all there if you look for it or if you remember it. And you know what they pander on? The fact that people don't remember. So this is nine months after Jamie. 
There is an avalanche of news as America heads into yet another weekend. We have just learned that attorneys for Dr. Christine Blasey Ford have asked Senate Judiciary Committee members for more time to decide if she will testify about her accusation against Supreme Court nominee and federal judge Brett Kavanaugh. We'll have much more on that still developing story just ahead. The other story we're covering tonight, this explosive report from the New York Times about Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. He, of course, the one in charge of the Mueller investigation. Times reporters Adam Goldman and Michael Schmidt report that Rosenstein considered secretly recording President Trump and even discussed invoking the 25th Amendment to remove Trump. Goldman and Schmidt write, quote, Mr. Rosenstein made these suggestions in the spring of 17 when Mr. Trump's firing of James Comey as FBI director plunged the White House into turmoil. Mr. Rosenstein made the remarks about secretly recording Mr. Trump and about the 25th Amendment in meetings and conversations with other Justice Department and FBI officials. Several people described the episodes in interviews over the past several months. The people were briefed either on the events themselves or on memos written by FBI officials including Andrew McCabe, then the acting bureau director. The article continues, quote, none of Mr. Rosenstein's proposals apparently came to fruition. It is not clear how determined he was about seeing them through, though he did tell Mr. McCabe he might be able to persuade Attorney General Jeff Sessions and John Kelly, then the Secretary of Homeland Security, now the White House Chief of Staff, to mount an effort to invoke the 25th. The Times report adds that Rosenstein was serious in raising the idea of wearing a wire himself to secretly record the president somehow and that he mentioned it on a different occasion. Justice Department officials tell NBC News that Rosenstein's remarks were not meant seriously. According to a senior DOJ official at a meeting on May 16 of 2017, quote, Rosenstein was arguing with Andrew McCabe about the president, according to a senior Justice Department. Mm-mm-mm. Do we trust any of these senior justice officials that have all been fired and are secretly being indicted? <laughs> Come on, you guys. Come on. We know. Because you know what? It was Pence that had set up that um, fund that he did for himself and Mattis, right? Yeah, you remember. An official. Well, what do you want me to do, Andy? Wear a wire? Rosenstein asked at the meeting, which also included FBI lawyer Lisa Page and four career DOJ officials, according to this senior official. This official and a source who was in the room characterized Rosenstein's remark as sarcastic. Another person in that meeting tells NBC News that Rosenstein was making a serious comment. And the aforementioned senior DOJ official also tells NBC News that there was a brief mention of the 25th Amendment within a note written later by former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe and that Rosenstein did not raise the matter. Tonight, Rosenstein released this statement, quote, I never pursued or authorized recording the president and any suggestion that I have ever advocated for the removal of the president is absolutely false. Andrew McCabe's attorney has also responded to the Times account, which cited his memos in a statement that reads in part, the attorney says McCabe, quote, gave all of his memos, classified and unclassified, to the special counsel's office. A set of those memos remained at the FBI at the time of his departure, late January of 18. He has no knowledge of how any member of the media obtained those memos. 
McCabe, you'll recall, fired earlier this year after relentless attacks by the president in an apparent effort to discredit the bureau's work on the Russia investigation. During a rally in Springfield, Missouri, earlier this evening, the president had this to say about federal law enforcement. Just look at what is now being exposed in our Department of Justice and the FBI. Look at what's going on. Look at what's going on. And I want to tell you, we have great people in the Department of Justice. We have great people. These are people, I really believe, you take a poll, I got to be at 95%. But you had some real bad ones. You've seen what's happened at the FBI. They're all gone. They're all gone. They're all gone. But there's a lingering stench, and we're going to get rid of that, too. On that note, joining us to talk about it by telephone, Michael Schmidt, Pulitzer Prize winning Washington correspondent with The New York Times and happens to be co Okay, like what's going on here? Like, seriously, though, I'm just going to laugh about this. <coughs> I'm just going to laugh. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of these games. Uh, Internet. Good thing I have a backup, huh? So now we're going to go to, let's go to 2019. Let me just find the 2019 clip I was talking about then too. Give me a second. Where'd it go? Okay, here we go. Let's, let's, let's listen to Andy McCabe. I mean, Andy, you wrote a book. You even had a GoFundMe. Man, how does he get a GoFundMe after destroying the nation? And then people were bitching about Mitt Weaver, who has had fabricated, you know, oh, I need a GoFundMe. <laughs> sake. Okay, let's listen to this clown. Just listen to this guy. Rosenstein raised another idea. The 25th Amendment to the Constitution allows the vice president and a majority of the cabinet to remove the president. The discussion of the 25th Amendment was, was simply Rod raised the issue and discussed it with me in the context of thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort. Um, I didn't have much to contribute, to be perfectly honest, in that uh, conversation. So I listened to what he had to say. Um, but to be fair, it was an unbelievably stressful time. I can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the deputy attorney general's mind at that point. So, um, it was really something that he kind of threw out in a, in a very frenzied, um, chaotic conversation about where we were and what we needed to do next. What seemed to be coursing through the mind of the deputy attorney general was getting rid of the president of the United States. Well, one I, way or another, I can't confirm that. But what I can say is the deputy attorney general was definitely very concerned about the president, about his capacity and about his intent yeah. at that point in time. How did he bring up the idea of the 25th Amendment to you? Honestly, I don't remember. He. Well, while we pause this for a second, because I just need to get a refill. Damn, I've been sitting down here for almost four hours. So it's the two-hour Tories show and then the two hours president. I need a break to go get some coffee. So we're going to listen to a nice little song quickly. As you can see, their lies are catching up on... on uh, it's, it's catching up with them. They can't do diddly squat. So we win. We've already won. This is their last hurrah, and this is where we're just like, we need to show the people. 
please try to envision yourself stepping back outside of this planet, outside of everything you see in front of you and take a seat in a nice comfy recliner with a freaking bucket of popcorn. It would make so much more sense. I'd go to the moon in a nanosecond. Uh, the problem is we don't have the technology to do that anymore. We used to. We used to, no. <laughs> we have TI-84s, right? Because apparently we went to the moon then with TI-84 tech. Um, and I just want to say that today it's it's friday and it is a prelude to a week that's pretty crazy i'm gonna be doing a little bit of stripping no camera though um and i'm gonna finish up this 25th amendment so you could just see how everything is tying in so i'm gonna be doing a little bit of stripping today maybe i'll peek out through my glasses just a little bit just to just to just to let you guys know just how Extraordinary times actually called for extraordinary people. And that is um, our president for sure. Um, so I want you to listen to the rest of this McCabe interview and then listen to today's news. And then I'm going to take you back in time to that time that I click send. And I'm going to walk you through just a couple, just one day, a 24 hour period. So you can understand this is one battle of many, right? One person of many that are fighting. Some you see, some you don't. This is a battle that no one saw. And I told the world in a not so easy way, but I'm going to walk you through it so you understand it. So um, let's finish his um, <laughs> yeah, deer in the headlights or what? I have like these special effects um, that I, that I'm going to be using because I'm putting together, I want to put like videos, um, to avoid the censorship. So, um, this show, I just wanted to say both the Rush Limbaugh and, um, my, my show will be up tomorrow on YouTube and rumble. Um, only because this evening I will not be able to, um, you know, parse it through and, you know, chop it up into or whatever and upload it. So, but I'll do it in the evening maybe, but it's going to be up tomorrow morning so we can watch the show together uh, tomorrow morning. I like to re-listen to my shows to see what I could have said better or easier so that way my message is a little bit more clear because when, when your mouth is tied because you can't say things you want to say, man, I'm telling you, the teeth imprints on my tongue sometimes, it's like, what? So take listen to the rest of this and we'll continue. It was just another kind of topic that he jumped to in the midst of a, a, a of a wide ranging conversation. Seriously? Have you, just yeah. another topic? Yeah. Did you counsel him on that? I didn't. I mean, he was discussing um, other cabinet members and whether or not people would support such an idea, whether or not other cabinet members would um, shared his belief that the president was um, was really concerning, was concerning, Rod, at that time. Rosenstein was actually openly talking about whether there was a majority of the cabinet who would vote to remove the president. That's correct. Counting votes or possible votes. Did he assign specific votes to specific people? No, not that I recall. 
as you're sitting in this meeting in the Justice Department talking about removing the president of the United States, you were thinking, what? How did I get here? Confronting these confounding legal issues of such immense importance, not just to the FBI, but to the entire country. It was... Um, it was disorienting. It was disorienting. So there's a lot of things that are done for optics, a lot of things that um, are kept in certain ways. So like, for example, say you start a new job or here's this, for example, um, like Millie Weaver and Gavin, they have other uh, predetermined appointments or travel plans. And even though they're going through court, they can tell uh, the court, uh, hey, um, this was already planned. And, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Let's just pretend it's like, I don't know, I'm going to meet with leaders or something about your foundation or something. And uh, that 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 has to be allowed because it's predetermined and you're innocent until proven guilty. Right. Why am I saying this? I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind while we watch, um, you know, how Scalise blasts Pelosi over the push to remove the president with the 25th Amendment. Listen to what he says. Okay. Listen to what he says. And then we're going to get into the strip mode. And then it's going to be like unchained melody right there. Okay. Here we go. We have Louisiana Congressman Steve Scalise. Congressman, uh, each hurricane brings its own challenges. What's your greatest worry with this one? Well, uh, first, good morning. Good to be with you. And, you know, my prayers are with the people of Southwest Louisiana, uh, especially when you look at Lake Charles, uh, the fact that they're still recovering from Hurricane Laura. And then here you go again, uh, people, they just had to be removing some of the debris that's still on the ground yesterday to try to clear up some of the debris from Laura as this storm approaches. So, you know, every storm you take seriously. uh, But when you're on the heels of recovering from a major storm just a few weeks ago, uh, it's, a, it's a double blow to, to especially the people of Lake Charles, but we pray for everybody in the in the direct path of this hurricane. Um, Congressman, we want to ask you about your colleague across the aisle, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, she is suggesting that later today she's going to uh, be thinking about some sort of legislation to create a commission on presidential capacity and perhaps try to invoke the 25th Amendment. She says the president who's taken medicine for uh, COVID, the medicine's making him kooky and so she wants to essentially transfer power to mike pence mike pence is not going to say yeah i think i should have that where does it stand in the house on the republican side well first of all this shows you just how misplaced speaker pelosi's priorities are we should be in washington helping families that are struggling and recovering and small businesses that would love another round of paycheck protection program funding where there's massive bipartisan support for congressman shabbat's bill to give them another round of ppp funding That could be passed tomorrow, but she's not bringing us back for that. Uh, She has been fixated for the last four years with overturning the results of the last election. Uh, And and here she is again on the heels of Vice President Pence uh, winning handily in the debate against Kamala Harris. She's now trying to overturn the results of next month's election. Uh, She's wanted to remove President Trump from office because she doesn't agree with the, the people's choice from the last election. Look, they started with the Russia hoax. They did impeachment. This is what she spent and wasted her speakership on. She should be fighting for families and small businesses, uh, not trying to overturn the results of the election because she knows how well President Trump's doing. And it, by the way, what, what what a signal that is to Joe Biden that she's spending her time trying to remove President Trump from office because clearly she mustn't have confidence in Joe Biden's abilities. 
The president says Crazy Nancy is the one who should be under observation. New York Post editorial board, the potential coup is an obvious non-starter. And Mark Levin piggybacked on that, saying the Senate won't pass this. President won't sign it. She's getting she's setting up nothing. She's doing a fan dance. Another phony Pelosi drama three and a half weeks before the election. Why do you think she's doing this if she knows it can't pass? Again, clearly it's it's to distract away from the fact uh, that they can't tout anything about Joe Biden. Uh, right. Vice President Pence literally the night before uh, had done such an incredible job laying out President Trump's agenda, what President Trump did to get this economy uh, back on track from the failed years of Obama and yep. Biden, how he's confronting COVID. Uh, we're literally on the verge of four different internationally respected uh, companies being approved by the FDA, which is the gold standard uh, for drug uh, for drug certification, uh, on the verge of vaccines that are being uh, done because of President it's Trump's leadership, by the way, in record time. And what's she doing? Not helping right. families. Families need help. Instead, she's trying to overturn the results of the election yet again. So they're trying to take out and 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 alter the elections again. Obviously, they have the House, so it doesn't matter what the Republicans have to say. It does matter to us when we're watching them, though. So now I'm going to take you back to, you know, October 25th, 2017. Um, I decided that I'm going to do something. I did it. And then on October 28th, um, you know, I got, you know, some really, you know, incredible, uh, you know, news. Um, you know, I had found out and remember I a lot of stuff. Well, I saw it. Not in. I saw that there was an extradition order out for Hillary Clinton. She was outside of the country um, and there was an extradition order. And um, that when you do that, okay, so there's one where it's like um, you're flagged so you can't travel or if you land somewhere, they put you on a plane and fly you back. And so that that was actually done on on October. Uh, it was done on October 27th, but October 28th was actually in effect. So um, it wasn't until March, right before my birthday, <laughs> right? It wasn't until March. Um, well, okay, so I'm going to have to rewind. I'm going to have to rewind. So in March... February, actually, February of 2017, um, the Hillary Clinton tried to leave the country, but she was under investigation and was not allowed. So her, the plane was grounded. Um, her private plane was grounded in Boston. And um, she was quickly put on. She, they took away all her stuff. She was quickly put on. Um, a plane uh, to New York to 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 have you know her lawyers had arranged for her to go to New York, and she was put on a coach seat on American Air, which is government. We all know this, and you know her lawyers sorted out everything was fine. They were like, "This is happening." So then we're going to fast forward to 2018. That was actually put out in 2018. Um, I, uh, no, then we're going to fast forward. Sorry to October 2017 when that was put out, right? That she um, is to come back to the U.S. the minute she goes through an airport. And so, um, again, um, you know, she's taken and you see her 
I had sent it to, to Laura Loomer at the time where she tweeted out the video where she had paperwork, which is what we do when we are bringing people in and they put her on a plane. Um, well, see, I couldn't get that one, but the extradition plane took her straight to DC and then she's put on a plane. She didn't have a passport or ID. She and Bill were there. There was a video of her, um, getting on, um, the airplane to go back. Now, the same day, October 28th, when that was put out, the president was furious. October 28, 2017, the president was furious because Vice President Pence, after I had done what I did, decided to go to Minot Air Force Base. And he arrived to Minot Air Force Base. It was at that time that I realized why the National Guard was going to be put on alert. So I wasn't aware that he was coming because it was not scheduled. He didn't ask the president. He didn't tell anyone. He just got on a freaking plane and went. And it was in uh, during that time, like, because he went, an order was put out in the National Guard, um, you know, throughout the United States was given a mandate that you may be recalled. And that was done on Halloween of 2017. I'm reminding you this because this is really, really important. I talked about it um, when it happened, I tweeted about it, posted about it because it was a marker. It was that change in time where um, the timeline shifted and it was the winning one. Now you would say, well, we did win when we won the elections. No, because see, the movie hadn't played out the way it was supposed to in early 2017. I want you to understand that. And what was noticed was, is that um, from January 2017 up until October 25th, 2017. Things were kind of going, but it's think of it this way. Um, say you have to follow a line to get to a desk, right? And you're supposed to follow this line. Sometimes you might slip over, your foot might go over the line to the left, a little bit to the right. But this, uh, you know, this sidestepping was a lot more. It seemed like it was paralleling somewhere else where um, it was kind it, it was like a push and pull of making sure it stays on track because there was overcompensation and undercompensation. This is why we had all this turmoil uh, with the, with um, Comey and Strzok and why it got so out of hand because there was a blind side and that was the preemptiveness of using the same tools you know, this is how you use something that was meant for evil for good. So it was on October uh, 25th, 2017, when I sent out this email and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do, let's have a party. Um, and so this is how it started. And on October 28th, everything went back on track because it started on October 25th. So that was where um, it was important that you know, communication stayed within. So that way you can stand on the moon and watch the movie and know every step of the way. So right now we are on that line and there's not much sidestepping. It is solid. It is there because, you know, there have been like, you know, Hey, Hey, you're out of line I'm pushing you back in. Hey, you're out of line. I'm pushing you back in. There's been a lot of push and pull. And what contributed to that is the people 
the people contributed to that because in the beginning of 2017, I would say up into the first nine months of 2017, were so jam packed with irregular warfare, like you couldn't even see straight because it was at that point where you realized that no matter how much you know, everything just kept changing from day to day. It was touch and go, touch and go, touch and go. And um, when a lot of people, um, you know, put that we have to hold the line and and put everyone where it's supposed to be on the path of the good. So one would say that's how you herd sheep into a pen, correct? And it sounds, and it is basically, but the pen is to stay on the track of, I don't want to say survival because it sounds super overdramatic, but that, what if that line that you enter is like a gate that takes you out into freedom? Think of it that way. So, um, the more people being involved in ensuring and pushing the good message, the facts and taking out the more they resonated to be able to keep everything and hold the line. And that's what's important. We got to keep that, all these people in that line, the world in that line, because if President Trump fails, then the world fails. Now, there is no chance in hell that anybody can scatter the line right now. Um, but uh, we need to understand that things have been done in the way they've been done. Um, with multiple people coming together because they have been trying to alter the line. They are resonating fear porn. They are, remember how, how many times did they tell you that you're all going to die? Remember how I told you that there were over 7,000 people a month dying? We said this at the beginning of March. This is bullshit. What they're telling you is bullshit. 7,000 people a month die. Why are they scaring you with the numbers? Why are they doing this? It's about getting you to panic, to step out of the line. So I suffered greatly and dearly. And, you know, I was kind of shocked, um, that that's what happened and that's what was done. So, you know, the, the, the minute you feel like you're losing, because they're telling you, no one's going to go down. Everybody's still walking around. Nah, nah, nah. It's to make you feel like you have no power. When in essence, they have no power over you. So all you need to do is listen to your president. Like he said, fuck with us and see what happens. That is what he said. So it's all about being at the right place at the right time for yourself and being able to listen. So the, the only thing that we have to do is keep calling out the fake news, keep pointing out everything. Cause I'm telling you this 25th amendment was well-planned. I talked about it a long time ago. I even gave you a shorter distance in time where I talked about it, which was March 25th. I made it so blatant, like, come on. So blatant. I reminded you on September 8th, and when was the first report? October 8th. I did that on purpose because I wanted you to see it. I wanted you to see that this is all a movie. And I really wish if you could just envision whatever you're looking at in front of you as a separate screen and you're watching, everybody has a role to play. And the thing is, your role, your role 
is to not be afraid and to look for truth, look for that, what is down to the, I'm telling you next week, the end of next week is going to be, Oh, we've just got to stay, just stay focused because you know, they irritated the president. I'm kind of glad that he came out irritated at the, at the, you know, pissed, but glad because now in retrospect, we see, cause I don't remember every single detail. Well, I mean, I think it's the, the little details, you know, like, Oh, he was angry at the, at the debate, you know, but his anger is what they're going to use against him. What did you hear McCabe say? Oh, you know, he was fighting with the president. Oh, he just said it on the fly, right? Remember, this is all a plan. You've got to hold the line. And, you know, he was so raw with you today. I really liked it. Like one, I, I want him on, but you know what? I don't because I've got enough on my shoulders. Um, and someone's going to say, what? Yeah, who knows? Do you know if I'm talking to him? No, you don't. But I would love <laughs> to have him on my show. But all of you should be like, no, I don't want the president to retweet me ever. Because that's how your account gets deleted. That's how you get a colonoscopy. I mean, I've already had a call. I had a whole state go after me. So I'm good. I'm good. All they did was throw mud and, <laughs> and put limp-wristed jihadis up. Listen, the, that's all they had. I mean, just like Rush said to the president, they went through everything. You must be the cleanest. There you go. All they could do is make up shit because they got no shit. That's the way it is. So everything going forward is, is just making shit up. I mean, let's be honest. Okay. On the topic of colonoscopy, who do you trust more? CNN or Captain Hook giving you a colonoscopy? Which one? I'd say... Aye, aye, Captain, go ahead with your hook. <laughs> Trust you more, because uh, at least I'll know what I'm getting out of it, right? That's sore enough ass, whereas the other ones are just going to make one up. So, you know, I want you guys to find the humor in this, because if you can, you can laugh and smile in the face of fear that they're throwing at you. Fear. Fear. Remember, I'd love for you guys to listen. I think I did it even with Millie Weaver on her channel where we were talking about um, the virus and the, and the fear point. I was like, come on, man. Statistically, we have over 7,000 people a day that die. A day. A day. A day. That's like, what, a quarter million a year, right? Roughly. Uh, a month. And I said, yeah, right? Roughly. So it's like, jump out of a plane, COVID. Eaten by a shark, COVID. They're all just pushing and pushing and pushing that fear porn. So don't bow down or kneel to the fear porn. Stand up straight. Let them say what they want and just laugh at them because that's what you have to do. Just pay attention to the president because it's on you what happens next. It's not on the media because the president can't do this without you. The president needs all of us. He needs every single one of us to be standing right there, firm, strong, and to understand where we are going. So on that note, you guys, I just want to remind you what this president is really, really about because they never thought he'd lose.
is filled with longing to be free from all life's pain. Let the search through earthly pleasures always ends in to see.